Welcome to today's episode of the Routing Table Podcast. My name is Rick and I'm here with my co-host Melchior. Hey Melchior. Hey Rick. Today we are joined by a very exciting guest. We're here with the Head of Networking Strategy from Abstra, Jeff Tansura. Hi Jeff. Hi everyone, great to be with you. Jeff, we're very excited to have you on the show today, especially because uh, recently as this week, I'm not sure when you are listening to this, of course, but as recently as this week, Juniper Air has uh, expressed the intent to acquire Abstra, and uh, we're very excited for you to uh, to join us here. But yeah, can you introduce yourself to the listeners, What it is, who, who you are and what it is you do? Hi, Jeff Tansura. I've been with Abstra for two years, heading networking strategy, doing pretty much most of networking design. Abstra is a multi-vendor or vendor agnostic uh, system that provides intent-based networking. And one needs to understand all the implications of how you do it between Arista to Cisco to Cumulus to Juniper. How do you build EVP on this multi-vendor and adheres to ITF standards? So this is a very significant part of my work. On another side, I'm looking into future directions edge computing, network slicing, so anything that's coming in the next five years. Yeah, because uh, along your day job at Abstra, you're also very active in uh, IETF and many other standard bodies, right? Can you tell the listeners Absolutely. a bit more about that? Yeah, so IETF is another half of my life, very important to me. I'm the chair or co-chair of routing working group. So all new routing architecture, all the stuff is going through us, including new work in data center routing. Uh, I'm also co-chair of Rift routing protocol that has been designed and developed specifically for data centers. And uh, we are getting to publish an RFC, and this topic is very close to Melcher, who is one of the largest supporters and co-authors of beautiful, beautiful book that's going to be released very soon. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. book, that's costed me quite some time but yeah we're almost there um a, a matter of weeks i would say from uh, the time uh, now that we're recording highly recommend it. you should drop anything else and read the book <laughs> all right I'll, I'll i'll make sure to cut this exact quote out and put it on on social <laughs> best recommendation ever yeah, so I'm also on Internet Architectural Board, which is the body that governs and provides direction to IETF. And my focus has been mostly around 5G and what 5G does. Uh, we also do a lot of work in IRT that is intent-based networking related. So there's a draft that is defined what IBN is, concept and definitions, and we are ready to proceed to research group last call and this document to become RFC. Jeff, first of all, welcome to the team. Uh, welcome to Juniper. What would you say makes Abstra and Juniper such a great combination? Juniper has best routing stack in the industry, great hardware, and probably one of the best telemetry subsystems. So not only it runs really well, what routing device supposed to be, it also lets you know what's going on with the network in the best possible way. Abstra on top of this provide intent-based workflows to configure networking as well as intent-based analytics to monitor the networking. So using great Junos on top of very well-designed hardware to run the network as well as using uh, JET 
GTI and all the telemetry subsystem available on Juniper devices makes us almost perfect match. So if you're saying it's a perfect combination, is, is there a, a specific spot in the portfolio that you see Abstra being a perfect fit? Yeah, so uh, today Abstra is mostly focused on data centers. Data centers are complex. EVPN is an extremely complex technology, right? We brought together switching, routing, highly scalable BGP on top. So there are a variety of ways to configure it. There's a variety of ways to troubleshoot it. And in most cases, not obvious how to. For the first time, we have more service routes than routes that actually customer routes. So if you look at VPN specifically, you need type 3 for VPN to work at all. You need type 1 and 4 for ESI to work. So ability to monitor and understand impact of the service routing has never been so significant as before, as now. So, and this is where Abstra so perfectly fits because uh, Juniper strategy has always been EVPN, BGP. And this is what Abstra does so well with regards to deployment and monitoring. So if we take a step back, can you just shortly introduce Abstra and, and, and the AOS product? Yeah. So. Uh, Let's start with intent-based networking. The design philosophy is about what and not how. So you let a user express their intent to what they're trying to achieve. Networks per definition are distributed system. So the success of network is outcome that is produced by whole system. If half of your system is working, half doesn't, it's not a successful outcome. So intent-based networking defines the outcome and takes steps back to how to get to the intended state. Abstra has been around about six years and uh, Abstra is the pioneer of intent-based networking. We pretty much coined the term. So what the product does, it provides number of intuitive workflows or just an API layer if you wish to use your upper layer OSS, BSS layer to configure us to express your intent with regards to how large your fabric should be, what it does, and it's all done in really abstracted way. So it's really intent layer that allows you to express your business logic. Inside of AOS, we've got number of transformation and uh, subsystem that's called single source of truth. So going back to draft IRTF and MRG ABN concept definitions, it all has very well-defined terminology that I'm going to be using. Please look at it, what it does. So back to iOS, after all the intent has been consumed, it's been transformed into logical graph model that is used by all underlying components. So for example, if your intent has been, I want a fabric with EVPN VXLAN that provides L2 segmentation and L3 segmentation, the instantiation, the instantiation is going to be BGP-based fabric with EVPN VXLAN on top that uses VRF for L3 segmentation and bridge domain for L2 segmentations. Pretty much the only data you need to provide on top of this, which ISN scheme you would like us to use, which IS numbers, and it's done by defining uh, resource pools. So you don't need to go VLAN 1, IS5. You provide the pool of numbers and system will take care 
to use them in a way that don't overlap. If something gets released, it goes back into the pool. Same goes for IP addresses. This is pretty much the only two things that you need to provide. The system is going to be a logical model of what you are intending to do. At this point, you will use your inventory, your hardware, to match logical model to physical model, and iOS will also validate whether what you're trying to do logically can be done physically. After this part is done, we are moving into deployment, or day one phase, where configuration is going to be deployed on the devices, and we will immediately start validation and continuous retrieval of all the telemetry to make sure that intended state is true at any given point in time. So we really compare uh, operational plus derived state to intended. And as long as they're in match, Fabric is working. Especially the last part you were saying is that it's a closed loop system, right? So you AOS continuously monitors if the Fabric is still in line with the intent. Yes. So let's say a few words about uh, entire life cycle. And this is what AWS does. It provides entire life cycle of a data center fabric. It starts with design phase, which is really the intent consumption. In human language, tell me what you want. What's your business logic? What's your intent? After you go through design phase, and very importantly, this is the phase when all the expectations with regards to your service are generated. So we don't do analytics afterwards. They're generated during design phase. Moving to build phase, this is where you model your intent. You create graph model, define all the relationships, and uh, you validate that what has been expressed by a user can actually be built as a network or expressed as a networking concept. After that, you go to deploy phase, and this is where you instantiate your intent. This is where you match logical model to physical. You actually validate that if your logical model is a 3200 gig port switch, your physical model is actually the same. So you can actually instantiate it. After this phase is done, you can go and commit. And by the way, uh, AOS supports full commit, and it's not only, sorry, not commit, rollback. And it's not only rollback to previous version of particular device, you roll back whole network. You roll back the state of the network. So if you decide, I like how my network worked five days ago, but after bringing some changes, I don't like it anymore, or it's just broken, it's a click of a button to revert your whole network. 20,000 of switches back to the previous state. So we are following Junas that you know was the first vendor to implement rollback, which was completely amazing back then, I remember. So you could move around different states as simple as choosing them. So you're saying if, if I start rolling out my business intent to build, in this case, a data center, um, that, that, that includes all the steps. So zero touch provisioning, uh, cable uh, recommend or cabling plan, and also a check if the cabling is correct and all that stuff. Correct. So uh, after design phase is done, you can actually print out your cable layout and give it to technician to go and plug the fibers. After you've done this and before you deploy, after ZTP is done, we gather all the LLDP data so you can actually compare your intent with regards to how things should be cabled 
and which systems should be attached to which system and LLDP states that are your operational state. Yeah, this is this is a very cool product, and, th- and and especially because you're saying you're also ingesting a lot of telemetry and and, and information. So, can I see Appstra as also as like a network management system that I can just really look at the health of my network? So the important point here, we don't we don't differentiate design, build, deploy, and validate phases. In order to be able to validate, we look at the design. Because single source of truth holds the logical model of your network and all the states. So this is where we derived the relationship between leaf to spine and how BGP next hop should look like and which route types should be present. So all this data is derived from single source of truth. So just validation is not what we do because we don't know the context. Design gives us the context, we know what the network is, hence validation is becoming not a guess game. So I see this why design dictates how your operational state should be. And this is what we are validating. It's a very important point and uh, I'm not sure whether we are going to have enough time to cover intent-based analytics, but this is big differentiation between data hoarding, trying to figure out what's going on and asking precise questions, getting precise answers. Well, I think the analytics part is one of the, the really interesting parts. As I mentioned the other day to someone, I think what AOS uh, the Juniper is for the data center is what MIST was the Juniper for enterprise, right? Where on the MIST side, they call it AI-driven uh, uh, analytics and, and intelligence. And I think AOS brings that, but then for data center deployments. And I think that that is really interesting. The insight you get, I mean, if you have a, a, a few switches or a, a small data set, it, it, you can pretty easily... Uh, troubleshoot most of it by hand logging into boxes, etc. But the larger a fabric or a data center deployment becomes, the harder it is to do troubleshooting. And especially if you want to know end-to-end uh, over a fabric, if it's a three or five stage uh, clause, it, it becomes really complicated to uh, especially manually do that troubleshooting. And I think that is what AOS and especially the analytics part brings. I completely agree with you, and the comparison with MIST is very correct. Uh, What's important in troubleshooting part is even looking at the devices one by one, so you're not getting the total networking state as per distributed system, it's the device state. Number two, you only see what's there. You don't necessarily realize what's missing, because what you don't see, you don't know what you don't see, right? And this is exactly what system provides you. It knows what should be there, and it looks into the delta between what should be there and what's there. Maybe as a little bit of a sidestep, but what are the main issues you would say are currently ongoing in the data center and especially in in fabrics? So uh, configuration is complex and cumbersome, Mm -hmm. especially if you do it in a kind of multi-vendor environment. We see different vendors supporting different versions of documentations. It becomes very obvious as you go to uh, system interfaces, so VLAN-based versus VLAN-aware versus bundles. Uh, You see a lot of differences in ESI multi-homing support. On Cisco side, there's pretty much no support. Uh, Cumulus has recently started to support it, but 
in very particular way, as well as ESI types, which are different. So there's a lot of complexity in multi-vendor case, but even in single vendor case, as I said before, there's huge amount of service routes that have to be instantiated for a VPN to work even before you advertise your first MAC address, the first IP address. So making sure that all those routes are there. So anytime you configure new EVI, you should see route type three because this is how bridging work. You need to be able to flood to every device that participates in a particular instance. And if route type three is not there, it's not generated, it's not important, you're going to black hole. And this kind of issues are pretty much impossible to troubleshoot given amount of switches, amount of routes, and all the interdependencies between them. Yeah, what I hear a lot from uh, when I talk to customers is, okay, interesting tools. Uh, I would love to use a controller or orchestrator, whatever you call it, but my setup is too small. How would you respond to that? Maybe to clarify a little bit, the idea lots of folks have is that you would only need a controller or an orchestrator or provisioning tools if you have a large uh, fabric or a large setup or a large network. Same as with tools, for example, to manage your LSPs over your backbone. It, it's only interesting to uh, leverage a tool if the network is really large. But I think, but I, I would want to hear from you how you see that. I think that you don't need a large, um, in this case, IP fabric in order to justify uh, using a tool like AOS. You're completely right. So traditional connotation of a controller is an entity that participates in control plane. If you look at traditional one controller, such as say, uh, any HDN controller that you deploy in one, it would participate in control plane. Traditionally, it would run something like BGPLS to retrieve the topology. It would use PSAP to head and nodes to instantiate LSPs or segment routing puzzles. In other words, it requires to participate in control plane to be able to provision services. AOS is management plane only entity. It helps you to design, build, deploy, and validate your network. So independently of size of your network, it will help you with streamline way to design network and operate it. Your data operation, so you need to add a switch. You need to change a VLAN rather than creating text configuration, running it through some boards that takes years, maybe months to get approved. AOS gives you ability to validate changes before you deploy them. So it removes the hurdle of don't touch the network, it will break. We actually make sure that it doesn't. And on backend and what you don't see, before we release our software, we run about 10 million tests a day in our CI-CD pipeline in all possible combinations with vendor features, anything that's supported in the model, which we call Blueprint, which is a particular way you would be deploying your network, it's all tested in any possible changes. So when you deploy or bring data changes, it has already been validated for you that it's going to work. Th that's actually very cool. So that all that information is that, how is that presented to the user then in, in, in the system? 
can I just take like templates or blueprints or can I just say select, all right, I want the best, uh, let's say the best recommendations that you have when I want to deploy an edge router at the EVPN network? There's a very interesting part to it. We actually, we bring discipline to network design. So if you look at design in general, it's a lot of work done by Jeff Doyle. Everybody knows and loves. We all grew up on his books and myself. Uh, <laughs> so we bring knowledge of the industry, knowledge of protocols and really best practices as done in the industry, right? So you don't need to have uh, designers that are very, very, very experienced. Besides, uh, when you use AOS, you can, we are pretty flexible on the way you build blueprint, but you are still limited in what you could do. So we don't give you the rock to kill yourself or hang yourself. So all the variations you could do on the network are within this blueprint. And when you are going to deploy next spot or next data center, you're actually going to reuse what you already done. So we bring discipline. No snowflakes, no crazy stuff. We know what your intent or business logic is. We have instantiated it for you. And given our expertise in networking, we are doing it in a way that's best and in accordance to best practices in the industry. I think that's a very cool system to to definitely utilize. And also that it's an aspect that that uh, I can say we now, or almost we, <laughs> as a as a as a vendor, are just showing you what our recommendations are in our best practices. Because I, I do have a feeling that sometimes customers just build out stuff that they want, and they're they're coming up with this weird configuration knob somewhere that someone found on a knowledge base article, and and they break stuff, right? And then it's exactly what you what you're saying. You're you're not looking at the business intent, but you're just doing something that because you think it's the right way, or that you think it's cool to use, or something. So this is this is definitely a great product for that. So you would be even allowed to bring any of this craziness into the system. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's a very good thing for some people. Uh, if we're talking about smaller deployments, like Melchior, as you mentioned, um, how how heavy is is AOS to deploy in your data center? Is it like a, a stack of servers, or do I need a big piece of hardware for that, or is it fairly lightweight? Uh, AOS is a modern piece of software that's built around graph database. And uh, it's really a sub-pub system where we instantiate a number of containers that do different things. They subscribe and publish to particular events. We are talking about one server with reasonable CPU and uh, at least 64 gig of memory that would run the system, that would run all the validations, that would run all the containers that are responsible for configuration and monitoring. We also allow you to bring more servers and split out uh, monitoring from configuration. For example, if your fabric is 1,000 nodes or more. Hmm. Practically, you just need one server that has enough memory and CPU power to run the system. So it's very lightweighted and very, very optimized to run in any environment. So And, and really microservices-based, as far as I hear. Yes. That's that's great, yeah. Because in, indeed, if you're looking at other products in, in that may be in a similar category, I mean, I have some experience with Cisco ACI, where the intent is also present there, where I really want to express what I want to do with certain apps and certain traffic flows, and that expresses into a certain network use case. Although 
the implementations I've seen in the field are also, like we already mentioned, smaller deployments where they're just looking for the right way to deploy a data center fabric with maybe some layer two, maybe some layer three in there, uh, and just good multi-tenancy. Which, uh, but the, the the cost of that is that I lock myself into certain vendors' hardware and and even protocols, and and also to a, a big stack of management systems. So, I do like the fact that this is vendor neutral, of course, very lightweight, and uh, and, and and always. It, so every product or every protocol that you're using, of course, is standard based, right? So because you you guys em- emphasize heavily on on EVPN and and the right way to implement that, right? Absolutely. And given my EVPN work or my ITF work, I wouldn't allow anything non-standard here. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and, and then we can talk about differences in implementations between the different vendors, of course. But uh, um, so, if, if we're turning that discussion a bit around on on your work in in IETF, what's 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 new, or what's what's the stuff that you're most proud of that you're currently working on in IETF? Must be Rift. Yes, so we've <laughs> definitely one of them. Uh, I think this is the most interesting routing protocol we have developed in years. It's solving fundamental issues with uh, uh, with the scale. It changed encoding from TLV based to TRIV based, so your innovation cycle within protocol could go to days, not to years. You just need to change schema and make sure it compiles. Another very important point, and it would require going into data center semantics. So aggregation on spine super spine layer is often harmful and leads to black holing. Again, it would be topic for another podcast, but it's a very important point if your data center is large and amount of routing state could overwhelm your hardware infrastructure. So TCOM, for example. Rift gives us ability to disaggregate conditionally based on number of particular events. No other protocol has the support. So we're not going to turn this podcast into <laughs> Rift, but I'm very proud of work done. And uh, the end result is pretty amazing. So I would really invite you to look at Rift, what it does, and how does it differentiate from any other protocol. Uh, in routing working group, we are finishing many young models that are essential for programmatic interaction with networking. There's more and more 5G related work. We are looking into network slicing, how to instantiate network slicing, how to do it in dynamic way through Flex Algo, for example, or how to do it in centralized way with controllers. So there's a lot of discussions about how are we going to look beyond L2, L3 VPN, how can we provide end-to-end slice? So the official formal ITF name is ITF transport slice. So a lot of this work is happening together with uh, uh, DATnet that follows IEEE time-sensitive networking. A lot of it's really driven by 5G, new requirements, and disaggregation of run. Which is again great topic for another podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> will we see uh, will we see Rift as an underlay and AOS provisioning EVPN VXLAN over it? Uh, <laughs> I would defer to product <laughs> management. From my point of view, <laughs> yesterday, practically, I mean, we are part of larger family now, and if head of the family says so, <laughs> I would be more than happy. Because it, it sounds like a perfect marriage. 
Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So coming back to uh, bring the conversation back to uh, to AOS, we, we we mentioned leveraging AOS for let's say smaller deployments, but the other way around, what is the let's say very large scale scenarios you've either been working with and have deployed or or scaling you've been testing with? Because um, I know, for example. Um, in AOS itself, based on uh, if you have a, a second data center, you deploy a second blueprint, and um, you can roll out your um, your second data center basically. But what what kind of scale have you been testing with in number of <clears throat> sorry devices and uh, scale of fabric? Because I know you you talk in in white papers about three stage and five stage clause, so I can imagine you are able to work with quite large fabrics. So the one of the largest customers of Abstra, and it's been officially announced, is Yahoo Japan, who is a true hyperscaler. In their case, we support a number of thousands of switches in single blueprint, which gives you impression of scale. We've got another customer in Europe, which is going to be announced soon, that is a telco. They use extensively eVPN. There's a number of data centers which through over-the-top DCI, so we just merge all the control plane states, are, we are coming to about 30 to 40 million relationship in graph database and talking about 1 million plus routes. So, which gives you again some impression of scale because it's not only number of routes support on the devices, it's number of routes we validate, we retrieve all the data about, we tell you whether stuff is working or not. So I'm lo- really looking forward into VXLAN's teaching, which will give us ability to reduce failure domains, to reduce flooding domains, and give us ability to scale even better by logically segregating different pods or different data centers. It's a high priority item on my personal to-do list and I'm already working on it. So actually, just two days ago, my uh, Jeff Doyle and myself had a Between Two Nerds uh, episode completely dedicated to VXLAN teaching. So yeah, yeah, I can highly recommend uh, between two nerds, and uh, as I mentioned on Twitter as well, it's it's great that Abstra and Juniper are now teaming. But the better thing is we can now say we have the Jeff and Jeff show. So uh, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big fan. Thank you. <laughs> so practically, we can scale up to hyper hyperscaler size in terms of number of devices. We can scale to tier one enterprise in terms of number of routes and complexity and with logical separation with upcoming support for VXLAN's teaching, I believe it's coming in Junos 20.3, we will be able to scale even beyond this because now we can separate these domains. And if we uh, look further in, in, let's say, the platforms that AOS supports. Uh, of course, it's all the mainstream vendors that, that are present in the data centers, but you're also big advocates of Sonic. Uh, at least that's what I'm reading a lot about. So what what is it that, that Abstra um, adds to Sonic or, or yeah, what's 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 the the, the magic sauce that, that Abstra brings in, in the Sonic deployment? So if you look at Sonic, so Sonic is a 
NOS that has been developed by Microsoft initially contributed to open source and now one of the most popular open source NOSes with routing stack on top of it. While it's very modern piece of software, it's microservices based with decoupled service abstraction layer, with decoupled a hardware abstraction layer. It brings all the complexity of managing these different pieces. So you get hardware abstraction layer that communicates with network class, that communicates with routing stack. The intention has been to decouple all those pieces. So as an end consumer, you could choose the best of everyone. However, it also brings complexity of managing all of it together. So you bring change to routing. How does it get propagated into your NOS? How does it get propagated into the kernel or forwarding or FIP, right? So there's a lot of interdependencies and uh, race conditions and order you do it. So what Abstra provides here is it hides completely away all these complexities. You are using exactly the same workflow you would use with uh, Juniper, Cisco, Arista, Cumulus, and you are getting exactly the same results. So all this complexity, as well as work to make sure that things are restartable, that you don't restart complete system, but only demons that needs to be restarted, is done by Abstra. On top of that, as I said, we run about 10 million validation tests and CI/CD pipeline. So anything that could be broken, in particular combination of features, is being notified, and we work with vendors in this case, uh, could be Broadcom, could be Mellanox, because most issues you would see in hardware as usual, <laughs> and uh, fixing them. So we provide management plane that makes use of Sonic as simple as any established vendors. And right. uh, this is where the value is really. You're, you're saying you run a lot of tests um, yourself on a daily basis. What if I want to test myself? How can I get started? So uh, we provide cloud-based uh, training system where you could use uh, AOS in a way you would use it in your local data center. It would allow you to build small to medium-sized logical data centers by using virtualized software. So it would be VQFX for Juniper, it, it would be VOS for Arista and Cumulus and so forth. So you could do all the testing and validation just by using cloud system. Um, the system in CI-CD today is internal to us. We call it Slicer. It gives the ability to build network of any size with any vendors. It takes care of L1 cross-connect between them. So when you define in declarative way how your fabric should look like. We will go and configure logical cross-connect between all the system. So it really looks to you as a physical system. And this is where we do all the tests. So anytime there's any change in the code, all the topologies from very small to very large will be instantiated and PTS will be run on top of it. If it's unsuccessful, we'll start looking. Is it our code that got broken? Is it vendors uh, semantics that are broken? So we are CI/CD company. So any change leads to this validation part of the code. So 
if and that of course that intelligence is then brought back in down to to the implementation so can aos work completely offline in the data center or does it need like a connection back to the uh, mothership let's say or make no, it, it doesn't based? when you deploy aos it's completely localized it doesn't talk to us in any way and we wouldn't do it due to security and compliance implications, right? Yeah. So all the testing that's done, it's really integrated into the system, and then the system is shipped to the customer. So there is no central part and distributed part. It's always 100% distributed. I think that's really good, and especially addresses a lot of privacy concerns that uh, yes. that are that are quite modern now. So if you're talking about uh, the CI/CD. Um, does the system follow that logic internally as well? So like a, if I am an operator and I suggest adding a segment, adding a tenant uh, to the network, is, is there some sort of a pipeline in there as well that requires approvals, testing and stuff before things are deployed? Yeah, so as I said before, the design, build, deploy, validate order is always in place. So you're not going to deploy phase skipping design. System wouldn't allow you. So what you're going to do, imagine you want to add another rack of switches. You're going to go back to design phase and say, I want to add another rack. You'll go through the process of saying where it should be connected to, whether it's going to have external routing, and which resource pools it's going to be using. Practically, if you already have associated resource pools for IP addresses and IS numbers with your main fabric, probably you will just specify exactly the same resources. So after you've designed it, as you progress, we will model it. We will make sure that what you have designed can be deployed and it's not going to affect your original intent. Uh, we will deploy it, so push all the changes to the devices. We'll validate that devices are connected to other devices that are supposed to through LDP. We'll make sure BGP sessions are up all the BGP attributes are correct. So imagine you would cross-connect and you'll, for whatever reason, your BGP session is to a wrong device. So we will immediately flag that next hop is incorrect. And then you click on deploy and it's there being validated, becoming part of your fabric and no difference whatsoever from operational perspective. You just have more switches. And is there also like a test phase in there that I can like spin up a virtual resource even, or is that, uh, or, or that you're like modeling the uh, the change in the network and see what the, what the impact is? So the, as of today, it's only modeling. Uh, we've seen announcements from Microsoft by building what they call digital twins. We don't do this today. However, it's a very interesting approach and we've got infrastructure. So the slicer, as I call it internally yeah. to do this. And uh, we are looking into it. It would be a very cool feature. So, and the same process is, of course, also followed if I just need to add a, a subnet to my EVPN segment for a new app to support a new application, for example. That's like the same process is in there, and I can just have an operator add a subnet somewhere from a pool or not from a pool, and then go through the same, let's say, deploy phase. Absolutely. We call, it goes into block we call day two operations. So, uh, changes you bring after Fabric is up and running. It's three, four clicks, very intuitive process where you mostly express your intent. You identify switch or group of switches where you want this particular instance to be deployed. You provide 
all the resources that it needs, for example, allocation of IP addresses. And at any step in configuration, iOS will guide you. So imagine you want to provide a subnet, but you actually didn't specify which subnet. So you won't be able to commit. Hmm. After all the resources are there, they are modeled and validated that graph is consistent. All you need to do is click on deploy and uh, immediately based on the graph query. So imagine you had three VRFs. You've added additional VRF and additional subnet to it. The query to graph database is going to be not show me all VRFs on three switches. It's going to say, show me all VRFs on all switches with all the attributes, number of routes, which routes, next hops, where they're coming from. And uh, the end result is going to be graph answer. So we use a graph query language that gives us ability to ask very rich questions. And it's going to be compared against uh, intended state. So if my intent to have five URFs, but my operational state is four, something is broken. So all the validations are done logically. And then after deployment, the state is mostly derived, right? It's not something you've configured. It's something you've learned from another BGP peer. So we take all the derived state plus all the states that are operational and compare them to intended state. Jeff, we've mainly talked about um, uh, segmentation in the uh, in the fabric, but <clears throat> how about support for micro segmentation in, let's say, uh, uh, between VMs or containers? Um, in, in other words, how far do you extend uh, into a, a host running containers or VMs? So this is not going to work. It's not... Uh... What we support officially today is managing of routing stack on a server. So may you happen to run FRR or any other routing stack, not any other, but the ones we support on the host, we will support its configuration, making sure that it's consistent with configurations of the switch. You are using same MTUs, VLANs, so that your routing part of your service is working. However, we are not looking into in kernel forwarding. We are not looking into something like uh, Linux bridges. And uh, the reason is not because we can't. We can. We can model it. We can do it. It's really we are a startup. We are very customer focused and driven. And uh, so so far, it hasn't been a big requirement for us to do. However, it's completely possible. If we look at policy framework, uh, we have implemented a group-based policy framework. So our CTO, Sasha Ratkovich, wa was one of the father of this framework back to OpenStack days. What it gives us is ability to completely decouple policy modeling from policy enforcement. And the draft, actually, is talking a lot about this. It's a very significant part of the work. We can model policy itself in hardware, software, way to deploy agnostic way. So the policy itself is, for example, HR cannot talk to engineering. This is the modeling part. The enforcement part is completely different piece of code that would look into 
What is your hardware? And what is the best way to instantiate the policy? Is it closest to source? Is it closest to destination? And by the way, if I have overlapping policies, we will also flag. So imagine you have deny slash eight permit slash 16 after that, right? So system will flag all those inconsistencies. And then if it happened to be a switch, it's going to be an ACL. If it happens to be a firewall, it could be security zone with all the configuration firewall. If it's public cloud, it could be uckle-knuckle in AWS. So I'm not saying all of this is supported just to give you better understanding of how things are decoupled from modeling and definition into instantiation enforcement. Right. And another question from monitoring perspective or maybe third-party tooling, how do you, if you do uh, integrate with tools like a... Uh, a network monitoring tool or some uh, provisioning systems is uh, what options do you offer there so when you look at iba which is intent based analytics every prop is a pipeline that has number of building blocks that have inputs and outputs mm-hmm. what's important is that uh, input for the next block matches output of the previous one for example you want to measure all leaf spine links, or you want to measure all leaf spine links that run Junos 19.4, but not others. So all of this information will be given to you by graph database. It's a metadata that attaches to the relationship. So after you've retrieved all the relationship and nodes in the graph that represent leaf spines and links between them, you can go and start measuring them. Again, we're always trying to ask right question and limit the amount of information that would be provided. So we might be measuring everything for five minutes delta, if you wish, but if you want to see faster or more often or higher fidelity data, or maybe using uh, streaming telemetry from the hardware, you can configure it. But the idea is that you shouldn't be killing the system. Only if you need this more specific, higher definition data, you should be doing it. So after you retrieve all the counters, normalization will take place. And this is where you bring your business logic. And I think this is where our approach is unique. So you are not only interested in uh, load on the links. For example, for one customer, 30% is great load for another company, 30% is a disaster, Mm -hmm. right? So we allow you to bring in business logic. For example, you could say, uh, the anomaly is if my standard deviation is more than 5%, but only if it happens in three minutes, in seven minutes intervals. So all this part is included in pipeline and gives you ability to instantiate your business logic as pipeline of different actions. And the end result is going to be exactly as you asked. The measurement will be done in seven minute blocks. And anytime there is less than three minute uh, overload, it will be discarded. However, if it is, you get a flag, you proceed to the next stage, right? So the end result is fully validated business logic instantiation. You would only see 
an alert if it's indeed more than 5% deviation and it's indeed more than three minutes within seven minutes block. It's a very powerful concept. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I agree. <clears throat> yeah, again, I think that that is really what uh, intent or self-driving in this uh, context should mean or, or should be, right? Really interesting. And I think we can continue and, and deep dive much more into all the specifics. But I think for a first, let's say, introduction, um, this was a really interesting chat. How can people find more information? Uh, I think via the website, there's a portal. You can register. There's white papers. What sources would you recommend? So as you said, there's a lot of information on our website. Uh, many white papers, videos. Uh, we participated in a number of network field days, did a lot of demos, talked about uh, intent-based analytics, how we model stuff. So really in-depth technical discussions. Please watch it. It's uh, NFD, the latest one, I believe 21 or, sorry, I don't remember the number, the latest one we had, and then one two years ago. It's actually how I met Abstra, I talked to Sasha, figure out we really like each other, each other approaches, so I joined them two months later. <laughs> yes. So uh, there's ITF work. As I said, it's draft IRTF and MRGIB and concept definitions that defines most of the concept we are using. Mm -hmm. uh, there are uh, between two nerds. Uh, so I usually try to keep it really technology focused, not product focused, but we have some plans to show you how AOS helps you to manage the fabric. So not only configuration on the devices and protocols, but also how AOS workflows look like and how simple it is actually. Okay. There is one more piece specifically to Juniper about Two, three weeks ago, myself and Sean Hafiz, we had a webinar called AOS and Juniper Fabric Automation, uh, where I show actually how AOS workflows look like and resulting Juno's configuration. So you could look into it to better understand how we model the service, what the end result with regards to Juno's configuration. It covers uh, instantiation of bridge domains, instantiation of uh, routing instances, and ESI multi-homing. Okay, we'll make sure to put uh, links uh, to those resources in the description. Yeah. Uh, um, but they shouldn't be hard to find, and else you're very active, I know, on um, uh, on LinkedIn as well. So um, probably if folks follow you, then um, the links and the resources will show up there as well. Absolutely. Um, Jeff, uh, again, welcome to the team. It's great to be colleagues. <laughs> really looking forward to working together. Um, thanks for today, for the podcast. Um, uh, we'll probably... Uh, do a, a deep dive and an episode uh, in in the future uh, once we uh, uh, we go, got to know each other a little bit better in that perspective. Um, Jeff, thanks again. It was great having you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having me over, and uh, I'm looking forward for me joining Juniper. It's more of family reunion thing. <laughs> I've been working with Juniper since 2001. Actually, did number of first deployment of Juniper and companies, so I have very warm feelings for the company, for what it does. And, you know, I'm really, really looking forward. Great. All right. Awesome.
thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Routing Table podcast. If you have any suggestions, comments, if you want to be your guest in the next episode, please do reach out. You can find our details on our website, routingtable.cloud. And we'll see you next time.